Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. We, um, we are doing our series called Road Trip, and let me say real quick before we get started, we're going to take communion together at the end. If you did not get communion emblems, they're right there at the back of the middle section on either side right there. If you want to grab those and uh, hold those, we'll take that together towards the end of our, our time together this morning. But we've been talking about Road Trip. Mike Chapel was kind enough to kick us off last week talking about what biblical faith is, and I was really grateful to be able to sit and listen in the audience for that. But I want to tell you a story before we dive into what we're talking about today. Uh, years ago, when I was a youth minister, um, we took a mission trip out to Kentucky and worked in some underprivileged areas and helped clean up an old Bible college and do some all sorts of things like that and had a really cool experience. On our way back, we're driving through Tennessee and we're crossing, um, getting ready to cross from Tennessee into North Carolina and then the traffic just backs up on 40. And so this was many years ago. This was before everybody had a GPS on their phone. And this was like at the very beginning when not everybody had a GPS like, you know, a TomTom. I'll be honest, the couple of times that I used one, I did not have good experiences. But my buddy had one. He was the preacher at the church, a guy named DJ Maxi, And he's like, hey, you want to try alternate route? And now you're like, automatically you try alternate route, right? But back then you were like, I don't know if I want to try alternate route. And I, but I was like, okay, we'll do it, we'll do it. We had a van load of teenagers. We're pulling a trailer behind the van. And so we're, we hit alternate route. It gets us off an exit. I mean, traffic was backed up for miles. So we get off on this exit, and we start going down these winding roads in Tennessee. And, and man, we go down, and we turn right, and the GPS says, turn right. And I'm like, you serious, GPS? You, you serious about this? We turn right, and it's a gravel road. We should have said, let's not do this. Let's sit in traffic, but we didn't. We turn down the gravel road, and it quickly winds back way, and then it makes a sharp left and comes around. And I kid you not, like, it was such a sharp turn, I thought the van bent in half, and I could see the back bumper, and I was sitting in the front seat. But we go around this turn, and it's like a steep cliff off the side, and, like, these kids, like, rocking the van. I was like, I'm going to see Jesus. I don't know about y'all, so y'all might not want to flip this van over. But anyway... We, we didn't flip the van over. We go down, and all of a sudden, we go a little farther down this gravel mountain road, climbing the mountain, and then it says, turn right. And I'm like, uh-uh. It was like, it looked like a path that cows walk down. I kid you not, it was not much wider than that. GPS, crazy, wanted us to turn down that. We're like, nope. And so we keep on going, and you know, you got to bear in mind, if you're younger, you don't understand not trusting a GPS, but this thing did not know what it was doing. It was drunk. And, and so we're going down, keep on going down this dirt road, and we get to a blacktop road, a paved road, and we're like, thank you, Lord. You know, we're hearing banjo music. And we turn left onto the blacktop road, and we just start heading what we think might be the right direction. And all of a sudden, just in a bend in the road, this mountain road, we see a gas station. And it was not like, you know, it wasn't like a, you know, a, a speedway or a sheets or something like that. It wasn't a wah-wah. It was just like this little hole in the wall on the side of a, the holler. I think that's what you're supposed to say, the holler. It was on the side of the holler gas station. And it was like a couple of buildings that had a little alleyway in between it. 
little wood buildings and, and people were out there and I was like I'll run out I left the, the van load of kids and my, my preacher friend DJ in the van I'll run out I'll get directions I'll get us back so I jump out there's a, a dude sitting in a car and another guy standing outside so I'm like hey 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 can I can I can I bother you guys for a second can I get some directions and they're like they talk for a second more and then they're like Okay, and then they start to give me directions, and I'm like, I'm, I'm focused in. I feel like they're speaking another language, just Tennessean, and I'm like, and I'm from Eastern North Carolina, so you know that's rough if I can't understand it, and so I'm, I'm focused in, and I'm listening, and I'm trying to like, okay, left, take a left, do this, okay, take a right, all right, and all of a sudden, I hear like this chaos behind me, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm like, I'm trying to focus in, and it's from the kids in the van behind me, I'm like, yo, shut up, I'm trying not to get, you know, I'm trying to get us back home and I'm listening in and all of a sudden I'm like okay good thank you and I, I go and I run I jump in the van and I'm like all right let's go and they start screaming axe axe kill you kill you murder I mean all this crazy stuff and the only words I can understand are like axe and murder and kill you and I'm like what and then DJ tells me he says yeah while you were standing there this dude walked up behind you with an axe and I'm like y'all couldn't coordinate and let me know Rather than just scream and holler at the holler, you know, I mean, you couldn't just say, hey, run, Bobby. I mean, that's not that hard. Bobby is an easy word to say. And they just all just chaotic, yelling. But, man, I don't know what the guy did, but we made it out. We got back home. I'm here today. Thank you, Jesus. That's right. But I was like, y'all couldn't coordinate a a rescue attempt. At least be like, hey, Bobby, I'll respond to that. But they didn't. I don't know why the guy walked. I mean, they said he literally walked out of the alleyway and just like stand there like this. Behind me with the axe. I don't know if he had a leather face or not. I don't know anything about that. But it was a scary thing. And it was one of those times that we look back. It's a great story. But we look back and we're like, I wish we had just what? Turned around. I wish we just turned around. Have you ever had an experience like that in your life? I'm not talking about on a road trip. I'm talking about this road trip of life that you're on, where you're going down this path, you decide to take an alternate route, you trust something that's not quite so trustworthy, it gets you going and winding down this wrong way, and you take a turn, and the moment you do, you're like, oh man, I should not have done this. Maybe you actually go off the road, maybe your wheels, or maybe you turn upside down, maybe your car, so to speak, in your life just burst into flames. We've all been there where we've been going down this road of life, this road trip we're on, and we get messed up, we get flipped, we get twisted around, and we wish we had just turned back around. Well, that's what we're talking about today. You know, the question on this road trip of life is that it's not a question, it's a truth, it's a reality. We all make wrong turns. Sometimes they're on purpose. Sometimes we say, I know this isn't the right way to go, but I'm going that way because it makes me feel good. And we head down that wrong path. Sometimes it's unintentional. Regardless, we end up lost. We end up lost. We end up confused, not knowing how to get back on the right path. But the question is, when you are on that road that you know you shouldn't be on, and you want, you want to get yourself back on track, and you're not where you want to go, what do you do? Now, If you're like me, there's been times in your life when you just put the hammer down and you're like, I see the brick wall, but I'm just going to try to run through it. And you just put the hammer down and you try to power through, but it doesn't work. 
you know, you're going to try to Thelma and Louise it, you know, just drive right off the cliff. Whee! Hope it ends well, you know. Y'all been there, done that? Y'all better than me, evidently, because I've driven off plenty of cliffs. Never seen Thelma and Louise, but I know they drive off a cliff, so I just use that reference. But anyway, <laughs> but the question is this. Do you turn around? Do you turn around when you're heading off the cliff? Do you turn around when you're heading towards the brick wall? Do you turn around when you're heading towards the dead end? Do you turn around when you find yourself in the scary place in your life with a guy with the axe behind you that's about to take your life? Last week, Mike talked about faith. He did a great job sharing about what biblical faith was. And he reminded us that, yes, it's believing who Jesus is. It's believing facts and truth. It's assent about the the truth of Jesus that's part of it but it's so much more than that it's not only that it's 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 trusting in Jesus it's giving your life it's faith is trusting Jesus with your life and your soul because you know that he's the only one who can save you he's the only one that can take this mess that you made these wrong turns that you made on this road trip and he can fix it he's the only one that's what real biblical faith is So as we travel on this road of life, when we get twisted and turned around, when we get down the wrong road, if we believe in Jesus and have biblical faith and trust, how do we make a U-turn? Well, repentance is what we're going to talk about today, and that's most of our favorite word. (laughs) Psych. There's a 90s word for you. Believing what God says about your sin and letting go of it and clinging to Jesus. That's what repentance really is. It's believing what God says about your sin and letting go of it and clinging to Jesus. In the New American Standard Version of the Bible, when you um, search for repent, you see 20 times that word used in the Old Testament. You see it 53 times in the New Testament. And you look up repentance, you see three times in the Old Testament, you see 22 in the New Testament. But I want to look at a few things. I want to look at the who, the what, the how, and the why of repentance. The first one is that, who. Who needs to repent? Guess what? Everybody needs to repent. Everybody needs to repent. And that is not a word that we like to use today in our modern society. We think we've evolved past that emotionally and mentally and culturally. But we are in dire, desperate need of repentance. The church, the world, everybody is in need of repentance. And I want everybody to hear this, okay? It's not just the bad people. And if you've been around the Bible a little bit, you probably know what I'm using the air quotes for. Because all of us, without Jesus, are bad. All of us are lost. All of us have fallen, have sinned, and fallen short of the glory of God. It's not just the bad people who sin differently than us that need repentance. It's the sins that you like to do that need repentance too. It's the sins that I like to do that need repentance too. We all need repentance. Jesus says in Luke chapter 13 verse 1 beginning there, he says this. There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered in this way? See, Just like now, we often tend to say, 
because certain people go through certain things and maybe they sin worse than us and then we say well their sins are worse than us and they're just worse they do more sin than I do they do different sin than I do and so they were have that same idea in their culture but Jesus says this in verse 3 no I tell you but unless you repent you will all likewise perish Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think that they were worse? That they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Now, this is before Jesus goes to the cross before he dies on that cross, before he's buried, before he rose again. The gospel has not, you know, been lived out and died and, and, and the resurrection, resurrection has not happened. But he's trying to get them to understand, without me, without Jesus, you have to repent. Without, to come to me, you have to repent. Everybody has to repent. Just in case we're missing it. Let's ask who? Um, liars? Liars need to repent. Murderers need to repent, and most of us are like, yeah, that's right, filthy liars and murderers. Cheaters need to repent. Gossips need to repent. Uh-oh, it ain't gossip if you do it on Facebook, right? Especially if you do it on the Lolo and Messenger, where everybody doesn't see it. You know, it's not gossip. It is, it's gossip. Democrats, Republicans need to repent. Everybody needs to repent. Independents need to repent. You thought I was going to leave you out, Independents, right? (laughs) All of us need to repent. Judgmental people need to repent. Jerks need to repent. And all God's people said, amen. But nice people, nice people need to repent. And in case we missed it, and I know you guys are smart, so I know you didn't miss it. You need to repent. I need to repent. All of us on Facebook need to repent. We all need repentance. So now that we've got the the who down pat, and we know who, who needs to repent, let's look at the what. Now, you can answer this a couple ways. We're going to do that really quickly. But the first way I want to talk about is what do we need to repent from? Not the what is repentance, but we're going to touch on that again. But what do we need to repent from? We must repent from physical and the mental things that we struggle with. Now, I say that because I don't know about y'all, but I can easily get caught up in only focusing on repenting from the physical things that I do. Even if it's just the words that I speak, I spend a lot of time worrying about the things that come out of my hands and my mouth and all that sort of stuff, the actions that I commit, because number one, why? You can see them for the most part. Or with your words, you can hear them and other people can hear them. You can see the weight of your words when you lose your cool and say something to your kids that you shouldn't say. Y'all don't, y'all don't do that. (laughs) I need to learn from y'all. But when you say something, you see the impact of what you say to your child. You see how it hurts them, how it crushes them. You, you, you feel good for the second that you let somebody have it in the parking lot at Target. But then later on, you realize, man, I really shouldn't have done that. You know, you know, you, we see those things. We feel those. And it's easy to try to repent from those things, right? You see what I'm saying? 
But we also have to repent from the, the mental things, the emotional things that we struggle with. That's what we've got to really spend our time focusing on. Here's why. Here's why I believe that's important. We wrestle with repenting from sins that, um, that are physical. We, we deal with that, but we don't always do so well with the mental. But I believe the mental sins are the ones that are really the root cause of the physical. Am I right? Most of the time, we sin in here and in here before we ever sin with our hands or our mouth or our feet. We sin in our hearts and our minds before we ever get to that point. And so repentance literally is a Greek word, metanoia. And in a literalist sense, it means change mind. Or in the Greek, it's more of the idea of to think after. So it's like after you've done, done something, then you think about it. Isn't that the way we normally operate? We do something, we say something, and then we think, well, when you do that and you realize you were wrong, that's the idea of repentance, is to think after, to think better about what you did and realize you were wrong. And a good understanding that I've used that many preachers and scholars have used for years after year after year is this. A change in mind that leads to a change in action. It's also been described as a, a 180. You're facing your sin and you turn completely around and you face God. It, it's a, a turning around. It's a changing of the mind. That's what repentance is. It's a change in mind that leads to a change in action. So not only, not only do we have to repent of cussing people out, of, of stealing from work, from lying to our family, from gossiping about our neighbor, if we really seek repentance we have to repent of hateful thoughts about annoying people <laughs> yeah even them even the ones that get on your nerves even the ones that you wish would delete their facebook account maybe you should just delete yours <laughs> maybe you'd love people better Maybe if we just really seek repentance, we've got to repent of those things. We've got to repent of our lustful thoughts that we dwell on over and over and over again. We've got to repent of our jealousy towards our friends when they have stuff or they have free time that we don't have. We've got to get on a deeper level and learn to repent of living by worldly wisdom, getting rid of worldly wisdom and turning back to God's wisdom. And I believe that that's maybe more important that we repent from because so much of the other stuff that we get caught up in comes from saying, I'm going to follow the world's pattern. If I want happiness, if I want success, if I want joy, I'm going to do what the world does. But you know what? It never, ever works. There's moments of pleasure. There's moments of happiness. But real joy only comes from obeying God and following his commands. From giving your life to him. That's the only way that real joy. So we got to repent from things like that. We've got to repent from talking about helping people. But never do anything about it. There are some really generous people in their thoughts. I, I love helping people. I don't ever do it. But I love helping people. And we've got to repent from things like that. We've got to repent from having this worldly mindset and turn our hearts back to God. Instead of believing man's teaching about how to have a relationship with him, we need to have and listen to what God's word says if we want to have a relationship with him. 
The truth is, is that all of these roads that we end up on are dead ends. And they lead to a dangerous life. They lead to the end of our life. But we've got to pull a U-turn. We've got to repent. And the failure to repent in the truest sense of the word, as in a change in our mind, leads us constantly going back to our vomit. Here's what I mean. We are continually saying, okay, I don't like what I do. I don't like this sin that I commit. I don't like this thing that I keep going back to. But then sure enough, we say, all right, I'm going to have willpower. And we're like, and we flex real hard, you know, spiritually. Y'all know y'all do it. I mean, I look in my mirror and go like this. And pass out. Anyway, but we do that. We say, okay, I'm going to try really, really hard. I'm not going to do it again. But usually what ends up happening, a few weeks later, few months later, a few minutes later, we commit that same sin again. And I believe what keeps us going back to our vomit, and if you, if you haven't heard that passage of Scripture, you may be thinking, what in the world are you talking about going back to your vomit? That's gross. Well, Scripture uses this example in 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 20. The Apostle Peter writes, he says, And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. It would be better if they had never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then reject the command that they were given to live a holy life. They prove true this proverb. A dog returns to its vomit and another says, a washed pig returns to the mud. I need to realize, you need to realize, that when we turn away from following God and we turn back to our old sin, our old way of life, and we try to do things on our own, that what it looks like to God is a dog going back, returning to its vomit. And I'm not trying to be gross, but I want to make sure we're all on the same page. When a dog goes back to its vomit, it doesn't just go, hmm, my vomit. Y'all know what a dog does to his vomit? Blap, blap, blap. It's like, ooh, I remember that. It was good the first time. Maybe it'll be good the second time. And they do it. And you might think that's gross, but that's what our sin, that's what going back to our sin looks like. And it's like a freshly clean pig going back and wallowing in the mud. It makes no sense. It's disgusting. It's gross. But yet, what do we do time and time and time again? I'll have thirds of vomit, please. We do it. And so when Peter writes that, he's saying, realize what your sin looks like. And if we really want to see change in our lives, we can't just throw away the bad fruit that our sin produces. We've got to cut the root out. We've got to cut the root out of what's going on in here and in here and get rid of it. So how? How do we repent? That's the next question. This is multi-layered, I know. But to repent in regards of salvation, to have a relationship with Jesus, it simply can be described as this. Turn away from sin and death and turn to Jesus in life. I mean, that's the simplest way I can think to say it. To turn away from sin and death. You know, sin and death is here. And I'm wallowing and I'm eating oh, that stuff. And I turn away and I turn to Jesus and life. That's what I, I want to do when I want to repent. Now, what does that look like? It's, it's a little bit different. Ultimately, you can say it like this. It's a surrender of your will and my will to Jesus. 
That means that I want to say that everything I am is yours. I'm tired of trying to do it my way. I'm tired of going back to the vomit buffet. And I want to turn back to you, God. I want to do that. So I'm I'm turning away from that and turning back to you. In Acts chapter 2, verse 36, the very first time the gospel's ever preached, this crowd is out there. This is the same crowd that you know, 50 days before, shouted, crucify, crucify. And they called for Barabbas instead of Jesus. Most of these same people here in this crowd as Peter and the 12 are preaching the gospel. And he's telling them about how ultimately they had killed Jesus, who was the Messiah. He was the one they'd been waiting for. And it says in verse 36, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, that Jesus, both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. It says in verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? They were terrified because they thought that they had been a friend of God by killing this false teacher Jesus. But now they realize all of a sudden that they had murdered the Messiah who came to save them. And so they said, what shall we do? What are we going to do? And so the answer they're given in verse 38. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and so the answer is to turn away from your old way of thinking that you knew better that what you thought was following God's law was really breaking God's heart and turn to the Messiah surrender your life to him trust him with your life turn away from that old way of life turn to him and meet him on his terms where you're buried with Christ in baptism your sins are washed away and you're raised up to a new life in Jesus with the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you he's saying if you want to be alive if you want to be saved turn away from death and run to life and that's ultimately what he's saying But here's the thing. When the crowd realized that they were enemies, that they were lost, they believed in Jesus, but they needed saving. They were following the Jewish law that wasn't cutting it, so God told them, repent, turn to me, be baptized, I'll forgive your sin. And so ultimately we need to understand, I'm lost, so I've got to stop doing things my way and do what you say, God. Think about this for one second with me. How much of my life and your life is spent trying to do things our own way? A lot of it. Even if you've been a believer, if you've been a Christian for years, every day I find myself running into the brick wall on this road trip of life, hoping that maybe the wall is just going to disappear again. And I'm not doing things God's way, I'm doing things my way. And so I have to turn around and turn back to Him every single day. After we become a Christian, I said, it's a, it's a constant struggle. It, we attack our sins with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's part of a big Bible word called sanctification. It just simply means the process of becoming holy. 
Because when we become a Christian, when we're baptized into Christ, we're forgiven of our sin, we're considered righteous, we're made new, we're, we're justified. Our sins are paid for by the blood of Jesus on the cross, and we receive that forgiveness, but then our flesh is still on us, and every day it tries to come back, and we try to drive into that brick wall. And so every day we've got to try to get rid of this sin that's trying to distract us, and instead of being focused on God, we're turning around and we're focused on our sins, so we've got to get rid of that that stuff let it die so we don't go back to the i gotta say the barf buffet i like that better the barf buffet we don't go back to that we don't go back to it over and over with the help of the holy spirit we can change our mindset we can change our habits we can change our behaviors to become more like jesus if i could simplify it like this i will we seek to hate our sin that's where we're trying to get with this continued repentance. It's not just feeling bad, is it? It's not just feeling bad. Because let's be honest, if you think about the sin that you struggle with the most, do that for a second. I mean, I'm not trying to cause you to stumble, but you know what it is. It stinks. You feel bad every time, right? Maybe not at the moment when you commit it, but a few minutes after, a few hours after, you, you feel really bad, right? So feeling bad is not enough, is it? Feeling bad doesn't ultimately get rid of it. That's part of it. I'm not, I'm not negating that, but it's part of it, but it's not all of it. We have to learn to hate our sin. It's not simply avoiding punishment. I use this example a lot of times, but how many times are you um, driving on 540 and then you realize that the colors and the shapes around you are starting to bend and mold? You ever been there? And you look down and you realize you're doing 95. Y'all ever done that? Y'all are good people. Good liars. <laughs> but you're like, okay, well, I'm making good time. And then all of a sudden, whoop, whoop, blue lights. That's when the guilt sets in, right? We don't always feel so bad about putting the foot on the gas pedal and breaking that little rectangular shape sign speed limit law. But then when the blue lights are behind us, that's when we feel bad. So oftentimes, it's not our sin that we hate. It's not our sin that makes us feel bad. It's what? The punishment. The punishment that's coming. And yes, that is a motivator. That's part of it. But that cannot be it. If you want to truly experience this repentance that we continue for the rest of our life, it has to become hating the sin and what it does to our relationship with God and us. And then we'll start to see the change. We don't, we don't, nobody likes to be punished. But if that's all our motivation is, is that we don't want to get away from punishment, the temptation of that sin is going to be too strong time and time again. It says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, it says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. That's a nice thought, isn't it? Whereas godly, or excuse me, worldly grief produces death. When we're just sorry about getting caught and sorry about hurting from the consequences, all that does is produce death. Verse 11 says, For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point, you have proved yourselves innocent in this matter. We've got to learn to seek after the godly grief that is hurt and stung because we know we've hurt and stung the heart of God. 
that's really where we need to get. There's a word of caution, though. We have to understand that repentance is learning to hate the sin that separates us from God. But the word of caution I want to give you before we move on is this. A lot of people spend their lives waiting to come to Jesus saying, I'm just going to do all this repentant stuff. I'm going to get rid of my bad habits. I'm going to stop drinking so much. I'm going to stop, you know, you fill in the blank. And then I'll come to Jesus. I hate to tell you, but you can be the best person from this day forward and still be lost as anything if you don't have Jesus. If you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, this, this just simply getting rid of sins doesn't do any good unless it's washed away by the blood of Jesus. Just improving your quality of life and the way that you treat people, being a better you know, wife or husband or father or coworker, brother or sister, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it may be, that's good, but that's not going to get you to heaven. Jesus and his blood are the only thing, his broken body are the only thing that get us to heaven and have our sins forgiven for eternity. So the how is important, but if we don't have a reason, our hearts wander quickly. So lastly, why? Why should we repent? Well, Jesus gave us the first answer in Luke 13, 3. We read that at the beginning. He said, unless you repent, you will all what? Likewise, perish. You're going to die for eternity in hell for your sin if you're not forgiven by Jesus for your sin. And that's stark, that's blunt, that's, but it's honest and it's open and it's real. And so that is punishment or fear of punishment is a good reason to say, this is why I need to repent. When, you know, you were a kid, you did not want to get a spanking that stopped you a lot of times, hopefully. You know, not for me, not as many times. I still got the spanking, you know, but we know the punishment has come. Spanking, believe it or not, happened. I don't know if y'all know that. But we... But we do our best. We avoid punishment. And Jesus said it. And if Jesus said it, that's good for me. We repent because we don't want to perish. We don't want to go to hell. And that's valid. Like I said, Jesus said it. Don't let people belittle that motivation because that's a real one. Think about it this way. Which scenario produces a healthier marriage? The idea of I don't want to be single or I love you with all my heart. I mean, for real. Well, I don't want to be single, so I guess I'll marry you. Yeah, you got a pulse. All right, you know. Is is that going to produce a better marriage? Or I love you, this person, particular one, with all my heart. That's going to produce a better marriage, right? It's not just avoiding the negative consequences. You know, or or think about this when you're trying to, you know, choose a marriage. I, I think you're hot or you're my person. Which one's going to result in probably a better marriage? You can say, and, you can say, I think you're hot and you're my person. That's good. But, you know, things change over time. You know, you're the person I can't live without. That's going to make a healthier marriage. Honestly, not everybody's lucky to get a fine wine like Sherry did. I mean, we know that. What what y'all laughing at? I will fight every single one of you in the parking lot later. Anyway. But to really, (laughs) to really see change. To really mature as a Christian, we've got to come to the place of we repent because we don't want anything to keep us away from God. That's where it has to come from. 
We repent because we don't want anything to stand in our way of our relationship with God. We realize our sin hurts him. Jesus paid for our sin, but we don't want to continue piling hurt on Jesus. We don't want to continue to break our relationship with God time and time again and hurt our Savior, hurt our God, our Creator, and hurt our witness for Him. And we have to learn to get to a place of despising the sin that does that. So our goal becomes to have God help us remove every barrier that keeps us from Him. So we learn on this road trip of life as we're driving like a crazy person, we find ourselves off the correct route. We got to pull a Yui real quick, as fast as we can, and we whip our ride around like Vin Diesel in Fast and Furious 27. I mean, we got to do it. You got to, if you realize you're in the wrong way, if you realize you're in the wrong lane, you're heading in the wrong direction, you got to turn it around quick. Don't care about what people think you look like. Don't care about how silly you look, how crazy you look. Don't care about how people say your driving is. Get turned around and get back to God. It doesn't matter what people think. It matters what God thinks. It matters what God thinks. Because you've got to have the attitude. I've got to have the attitude. I don't care. Nothing's going to stand in the way of our path to God. Not yourself. You're not going to stand in the way. Not your pride. Not your shame. Not what some preacher told us. Nothing's going to stand in the way of me getting back to God. I'm going to run to him every time. And if we're going to get on God's road and chase after Jesus for the rest of our lives. But we've got to know we're not on this road alone. You need to get there to your goal, and there are a ton of people who are following you, unfortunately. <laughs> and they need to see you headed in the right direction so they can know the direction to go to. And so the question I want you to sort of think about is, where is your caravan headed? The people that are following you, and some of them you don't even realize are following you, is the road you're, leading, you're on leading them back to Jesus or not? At 10 months sober, Michael Canones suffered a horrible injury that would almost certainly have led him back to the addiction that he had just pulled himself from the grips of. Michael was working as a landscaper in 2017 when a mower slid down some wet grass, slicing open the back of his heel and destroying his foot and his ankle bone structure. He said that they were amazed that I was still alive when I got to the hospital because I guess I should have bled out. And that freak accident came at another bad time in his life because that's never a good time to have an accident like that. But it was especially precarious for Michael because what he was dealing with was he was just beginning to be successful in recovering from his addiction. He had been through countless rehab programs and had recently spent time in prison. And doctors told him if he kept his foot, it would most likely mean undergoing multiple sur surgeries and a lifetime of pain medication prescriptions, which is what he was trying to kick. And so three days later, Michael chose amputation over possible addiction. Three years later, he's healthy, he's active. He's an addiction counselor who is now married to the love of his life. Simply because 
he got serious about what he knew was going to hurt him. And he said, even if it means I lose my foot, I want to be whole where it matters. Sounds sort of familiar. Jesus said something sort of similar to that. He says, if your eye causes you to sin, what? Gouge it out. If your hand causes you to sin, what? And sometimes it looks like that real cutting off of body parts. If that means that you're going to be whole and healthy and you're going to seek after the one who can save you from everything, you might be missing a foot, but you've got a whole heart that belongs to Jesus. And so the challenge for me and the challenge for all of us, the challenge for those of us watching online, is we have to get so serious about getting rid of our sin and running to Jesus that we're willing to lose everything but Him. Everything but Him. And this last idea that I want you to just wrap your head around as the band comes is this. Repentance is radical. Repentance is radical. It's life-changing. It's world-changing. And when you don't care what you look like, when you don't care, you just got to turn around. It's all about getting closer to Jesus. It's time for a U-turn today. And the beautiful thing is, is that communion is a perfect time to think about making that U-turn that we get built in each week. It's a really cool opportunity. Because we have these emblems that represent on top, there's a wafer that represents the body of Jesus that was broken for you and me. In the next layer down there, there's some juice that represents the blood of Jesus. And any time that we remember Jesus in this time, as we celebrate his death, his burial and resurrection, we can look and we can see his body was broken for my sin. And if it helps you to say your sin out loud that you struggle with most and foremost, say it out loud in your mind. Jesus, your body was broken for this. Your blood was shed for this. You remember that he paid the price so you don't have to. So why, why would we ever leave him and go back to that old stuff that's trying to destroy us? The body and the blood of Jesus is enough to set us free. And we don't have to be slaves to sin and death anymore. We can have life forever in Jesus. So take some time. Talk to God. Help him to remind you to remember that his body was broken. His blood was shed through Jesus on the cross. And that you have a home waiting in heaven. You don't have to pay for your sin because it was paid for by Jesus. Spend some time remembering what Jesus has done for you. And then we're going to join in singing. I'll be off to the side. If you need somebody to talk with you and pray with you, to talk about your relationship with Christ, if you need to give your life to Jesus today, we'll take you out and we'll baptize you into Christ in the next few moments after this service is over. We will get it done. But you need to turn around today, no matter where you are on this road trip. There's always time to turn Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.